0: All right, Boris, I'll, I'll keep my eye on the waiting room, but I'll probably turn it over to you for intros yeah. and beginning. Sure.
1: Yeah, let's, that's a good place to start. So um, hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, my name is Boris Polczyk. I'm with a company called Foursquare Integrated Transportation Planning, and we are the consultant that is leading the uh, Lawrence Transit and KU Route Redesign Study. Um, uh, we'll get into all the details of kind of background behind this study in a minute, but I thought it might be good to just go through and introduce ourselves first. Um, So in addition to me, Rebecca Martin is also with Foursquare. So hi, Rebecca. Hello. Um, And let's see. I'll Actually, I can't see the... Let me see if I can see the full list. Adam, do you want to... I think you have a better view of all the boxes than I do. Do you want to go through and and call people by name to do the introductions? You can go first.
0: I do. Uh, We'll just do... Quickly for everyone, so we know where we're coming from. So, like I said, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager with Lawrence Transit. Uh, Gary.
1: Gary Reinheimer with uh, Municipal Services and Operations, uh, an engineer with the city. And I see Margretta.
2: Hi, I'm Margretta DeFries. I'm with KU Transportation Services.
0: Let's see, Dot.
2: Hi, I'm Dot Neri. Um, can you hear me?
0: We can, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I think I uh, maybe went back on mute, but we, we saw you there, Dot, so. Sorry, uh, sorry.
2: I'm an, I'm an interested citizen. I'm the incoming chair of the Healthy Built Environment Committee of Live Well Lawrence. And I use a wheelchair and I expect to um, age in this community. So I'm just, I'm thrilled that we have a transit system and I just want to get more informed about it.
0: Thank you, Don. Uh, Frankie.
3: Hi, I'm Frankie Haynes. Um, I'm the diversity and equity coordinator at Lawrence Public Library. um, And I'm just here to learn about the redesign and offer potentially some input.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. And Erin.
4: Also with Lawrence Public Library. and the Community Resources Specialist and so I'm here just to kind of hear the conversation and see what input, input folks have.
1: Great. Wonderful. Thanks. Um, so yeah, we, we've actually been doing these meetings a series of meetings like this one um, all week Uh, and we've been meeting with different stakeholder groups Uh, we had some meetings that were just general public meetings we had some meetings that were specifically aimed at university affiliates um, uh, major employers um I guess that's kind of all the categories, but um, but yeah, we've been trying to get a diversity of viewpoints um, on this project. And so we're really interested to hear what all of you have to say today as well. So we'll start with just a little bit of background information on this project. Um, so the Lawrence Transit and the University of Kansas have been working pretty closely together for several years to try to create as, as seamless a, um, you know, transit network in the city as, as possible. Um, the routes kind of come in three different categories. There are 10 routes that are really designed to serve you know, city residents broadly. There are eight routes that are designed um, are specifically really um, designed around the university's needs and serving university affiliates. And there's two routes that are coordinated routes. They're, they're jointly funded um, and they're widely used by kind of both university community and, and the public um, overall so the the systems uh, jointly publish a a rider guide um, that outline you know the schedules and the maps and and so on um, to to allow people to have all the information really um, in in one in one booklet. In two thousand and nineteen, um, before the pandemic, the two systems were carrying approximately three million people, three million passengers uh, annually. That ridership has declined a bit due due to the pandemic, of course, but um, it's back on the upswing and hopefully will return to pre-pandemic levels before too long. Um, One big change in the community that many of you are probably aware of, there's a new transfer center that's currently being designed um, and and developed um, at the southeast corner of Bob Billings Parkway and Crestline Drive. So there have been a series of community meetings about that topic as well Uh, we aren't going to be covering that too much in in this um meeting but we are aware and are closely monitoring that project uh, as well because they are related so the the goals for us on this project are to analyze the existing system or or, systems, I guess, and to identify the strengths and weaknesses of each route, uh, as well as opportunities to improve and potentially expand service. Um, When we're talking about ways to improve service, we we mean uh, improving the overall system efficiency, the overall kind of user experience, um, and also ensuring that there's a smooth uh, integration of the new tran- transit facility being developed on Bob Billings uh, when it's ready to open. So as we uh, study the current services, we're not limiting ourselves to kind of the same service model currently exists as potential future solutions. We're looking at a variety of innovative new service models, and we'll talk a little bit about those in in the future, I mean, in uh, the next few few slides. But um, there are concepts like ride-hailing integration, microtransit. So we'll... We'll talk about that in a second. Um, we also want to assess the impacts, the, the budget and service impacts of implementing a fair, free system. That's a topic that's been discussed uh, quite a bit in, in you know, recent months and, and years in Lawrence. Um, and so there are impacts to, to that sort of decision if, if it's made. So that's part of our scope as well. All right, so the approach that we're taking on this project is to try to um, understand kind of three overarching questions. And that is what does the market say? What do the numbers say? And what do the people say? When we talk about the market, we mean the underlying environment in which transit service has to operate in Lawrence, things like density, things like land use, um, and we'll talk about that on the next slide. When we talk about the service analysis, we're referring to how how services are performing today, what's happening on the ground in terms of ridership and productivity and on-time performance, things like that. And then the third piece of the puzzle is is you, all of you and other stakeholders in the community. Um, What the views of the the public are, are very important to us. Um, They help us understand the priorities and the preferences of current riders and prospective riders. So as we move toward developing uh, service scenarios, we want to ensure that they are reflective of these priorities and preferences that we're hearing about on, you know, at meetings like this so as i said the market analysis is looking at the underlying environment so um, top uh, of the list on things that we look at is density so density is really really important for the success of transit service especially what's called fixed route transit service so fixed route transit service is where you have buses operating you know along a set alignment with a set schedule. Um, That that type of service requires a minimum density to be be successful, typically. Um, That density that we like to see for fixed route service is more than five people or jobs per acre. So this map is showing, um, it's color coded based on density and areas in yellow um, are areas that do have that density of at least uh, or more than five people or jobs per, per acre. Areas that are orange and red have even higher density. So you know higher density areas can support even more service or more or more frequent service. and then lower density areas that are green or, or gray on this map. those areas may have a need for transit service, but fixed route service may not be the way to go. There are other approaches, what's called demand response service, um, that's where, you know, buses only operate if if requested rather than, you know, operating along a set schedule. So so though, that's why transit potential is important to us. That's why density is important to us. Um, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to, to raise your hand or ask or speak up at any, at any time. Okay, so far so good. And then Adam, please let me know if you see somebody's hand go up. <laughs> All right. So transit need. Transit need is is kind of related to what I just talked about um, in terms of density, but it's not looking just at the total population density. It's looking at the concentration of specific population groups, um, and these are these are the types of population groups that tend to be um, uh, tend to use transit more often. Um, they have a higher propensity, I guess you can say, to use transit than uh, than the general public. And those include zero-vehicle households, persons with disabilities, low-income populations, older adults, youth, and young adults. So this map is showing where we have concentrations in the community of those specific groups, and. And and that's important to us because that's where we know there there will be an elevated need for for mobility services, um, for transit of of some kind. Um, So as we move from the market analysis to the service analysis, uh, we are going to be looking at every single route in the network based on a series of, of metrics. So... Um, at the top of the list is ridership. We, we wanna understand where there is ridership, where there's not ridership. So we're looking at ridership by stop and by trip um, because uh, you may have a, a scenario where uh, routes are doing well during some times of the day, but not so well during other times, or you may have a scenario where a route is doing pretty well for part of its alignment, but then there's a kind of a dead zone. And so we want to understand where that occurs so we can reallocate resources if needed to try to ensure that there's um, you know more steady ridership along the entire alignment or um, more ridership throughout the service day. Um, so ridership tells part of the story, but we also look at what's called productivity to get a Kind of a better sense of return on on investment. So when you look at ridership per hour or ridership per trip, you can better understand how many how much did you have to invest in terms of resources um, in order to generate the ridership that you're that you're seeing on a particular route. So ideally, you'll have you know higher ridership for um, uh, for minimal investment or or uh, maybe not minimal. Maybe that's not the right way to say. It, but if you have two routes that have similar ridership, you want to understand how much what was the cost of one route versus the cost of the other of the other route? Um, so if it takes a lot of resources to generate the same amount of ridership on, on a route, you may wanna look and see, well, why is it less productive than the other route? Can we somehow realign it? Can we somehow potentially cut back service on, on productive hours to increase productivity? So ridership and productivity work together. Um, on-time performance, that's another important metric that we're gonna be looking at, um, that's uh, looking that, that's a measure of reliability. So um, whether uh, a bus is early or late or on time really does matter to, to riders and prospective riders, um, because if a service is not reliable, then people will not continue using it um, unless they're extremely tr- uh, transit dependent. <clears throat> the Other things that we're looking at are network connectivity. So that refers to um, how well people can make connections from one route to another at key transfer locations. Um, Do the schedules line up? Do the physical stops line up? I mean, can people physically make it from one one stop to another, where they can transfer from one route to another. So th- that's important. And then finally, environmental justice. This is key because it is um, part of the Lawrence strategic plan to ensure that um, we do take into consideration the impact of, of any sort of changes uh, on minority and low-income po- populations. Um, so that is something that we'll be assessing throughout as well. All right. So as I mentioned, um, we're going to be looking at new and innovative service ideas as we look at ways to improve the system. Um, One thing we'll be looking at is what's called ride hailing integration. So ride hailing refers to Uber and Lyft type of services. There are transit systems now throughout the country that are um, integrating Uber and Lyft into their systems in, in various ways. Sometimes it's just a matter of cross promotion. Um, so, in other words, if you open an Uber or Lyft app in some cities, you will also see transit as an option on your, um, you know, in in the app as something that you can see. Sometimes it's just for comparative purposes. Sometimes if you click on it, it'll take you to uh, the website of the transit provider, but it helps you kind of assess how good of a deal it is you know, to take Uber and Lyft versus taking transit. And vice versa, in, in some transit systems, when you open a transit app, you will see Uber or Lyft listed um, as an option as well for comparative purposes. Um, There's also, uh, in some communities, there are subsidies to Uber and Lyft service. So for example, once Trans, some systems are doing kind of a late night subsidy. So once transit service stops running late at night, in some communities, you can enter a special code when you're um, uh, requesting an Uber or Lyft trip and you can get a subsidy. So a, a discounted uh, fare on your Uber and Lyft trip um, in, in areas where transit otherwise operates. Um, in addition to Uber and Lyft, there Ride-hailing integration, we'll be looking at a type of service called Microtransit. So Microtransit is a service that kind of looks and feels a lot like Uber and Lyft in terms of the user interface, but it uses more specialized vehicles rather than using, you know whatever vehicle your Uber and Lyft driver happens to show up in, um, Microtransit uses dedicated transit vehicles. So so maybe small buses or vans um, and it's much more closely integrated to a transit service. It may share the same branding as the transit service. It has a set fleet of vehicles rather than just relying on, you know, whatever vehicle shows up with Uber and Lyft. It has a set group of drivers who may be vetted and trained to the same um, standards. As your uh, transit operators, so it's it's a little it's like Uber and Lyft in the interface, but it's a little bit more closely associated with transit service. So we'll be looking at that as well. Okay, so that's a little bit about the market and the service analysis pieces. Um, now the stakeholder outreach. Um, in addition to this series of meetings that we're having all week, we also have a survey that's up online now um, on the Lawrence Listens platform. You can get to this survey through the Lawrence Transit website. Um, This survey will be up through the first week of July. And it's asking um, a series of very basic demographic questions to to, to help us understand who's using transit, how they're using transit, when they're using transit. But then it moves on to a series of trade-off questions. And we'll go through those trade-off questions here so, so that you guys are familiar um, with what we're trying to ask. Um, so let me move on. I'll, I'll pause before I go. Any questions so far on anything you guys have heard? No? Okay. So in, this survey, in the survey that's online, um, the first trade-off question is asking people if they prefer longer hours or more frequent service. So for context, the transit service, Lawrence Transit Service is currently provided from six in the morning to eight in the the evening. Um, And it's it's only provided Mondays through Saturdays. Um, Most routes operate either on a 30 or 60 minute schedule, um, depending on the route, depending on the time of day. Um, So the the trade-off that we're asking is whether if people had to choose, would they prefer longer service hours? So for example, service until 10 p.m or if they would prefer more frequent bus service. So maybe service every 15 minutes. The reason that this trade-off is, is being asked, the reason that any of these trade-off questions are being asked is because Lawrence Transit has to operate within a finite budget. So as we move toward you know, planning or redesigning the service, we are going to be faced with difficult decisions to make. So we want to understand what is the priority of the community um, if, if forced to choose Uh, which which of these is is more important to you? So I'd I'd like to hear um, uh, any feedback you guys have. If you had to choose, would you prefer longer service hours or more frequent service?
4: I think having longer service hours would be really beneficial to a lot of folks. That's such a hard decision, though, deciding between those two things. Jeez. It, yeah it, yeah oh, sorry it
2: a, sorry it is a hard decision but um when you think of the things that occur in the community after 7 or 8 p.m that shuts a lot of people out of many things they would like to do but it is a hard decision i agree
3: Yeah, and okay. I, I agree as well I, I would say that longer service hours is what i lean toward as well as somebody, I, I didn't drive until I was 21, so I used the bus service frequently as a student at KU, and I used it for all kinds of things. And, you know, waiting for a bus is much better than having no bus past 8 p.m. besides the special routes. So, and, and, yeah, especially I, I was trying to work and didn't drive, and there was no way for me to get home from work at 10 p.m. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a really great, great viewpoint. Okay, any other thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I'm thinking about folks who attend um, maybe AA or NA meetings in the evening or have other uh, attend church and services in the evenings, you know, things like that that are a big part of community life that a lot of folks don't have access to right now because the bus stops it
1: at the time that it does, so. Yeah, great, great perspective.
2: I'm also thinking of um, people who may not be able to drive at night. You know, they might be able to drive during the day, but they can't drive at night because of their vision. So that would open up a whole new set of activities for them if it were available later.
1: Uh, There is is currently a late night service um, that, Is provided. Uh, It's it's not a fixed route service. It's a um, on demand type of service. Are any of you familiar with that? Or have any of you tried that?
3: Yeah, is it called like the Nightline or something? I can't remember. I've used it. um, I've used it once or twice, Um, and I can't remember. So when I was using when when I was using it would have been in like twenty. 2014 2015 so i can't remember why it didn't suit my needs um but what i ended up doing was um only agreeing to work nights on fridays and saturdays and i would utilize uh, the safe ride to get home okay yeah.
1: got it mm-hmm. okay all right we'll move on to offer just from
0: staff perspective that the i mean one of the challenges with nightline is it's um, schedule ahead you can schedule between the hours of eight and five, and so some some of that challenge. I don't know if it was it was for you, Frankie, or others, but that can be part of it. That you mentioned SafeRide that has that does have that on demand ability, which um, may be a useful tool.
1: Yeah, that's a. Uh, I, I know. I think Dot had to uh, put it in chat. That, thanks for the definitions. I think she was referring. To the microtransit and and the um, integrated um, shared or integrated Uber and Lyft type of services. So that is an important distinction that microtransit. As I described it, is is an app based um, technology. So it usually it can be dispatched, and you know the trips can be requested directly by riders. And so the lead time is is quite short. So it's not like you have to book you know twenty four hours in advance, which many a ride type of services um, required in the past. Um, you can book in you know almost real time, similar to uh, Uber and Lyft. So that is an important distinction.
2: So, is, is the micro transit? Well- does it use
1: accessible vehicles for wheelchair users? Yes, it 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 can use it it can use many of the vehicles are the same vehicles that are used for like a paratransit service. Uh-huh. Um, so they're yes, so they can be accessible. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, so the next trade off question is asking um, about Sunday service versus improving the Um, improve existing service. So right now, there is no Sunday service in in Lawrence. Um, The the service only operates Mondays through Saturdays. Um, And within the current budget of Lawrence Transit, adding Sunday service would require a reduction somewhere else. So maybe Saturday or maybe weekdays. So if you had to choose, would you prefer adding Sunday service, which could result in a reduction elsewhere, or focusing on improving weekday and Saturday service? Anyone wants to weigh in?
3: Again, this is, a you know, as, as you know, it's a tough choice. Um, I would say that a lot of the infrastructure in Lawrence is built around the idea that most things aren't open on Sundays. So mm-hmm. I feel like we would be missing more if we were to take away service from the, the usual days. But perhaps the idea of adding a line early in the mornings for people who go to church. So it's just one line and maybe it would only take away a little bit, but I lean toward, um, you know, leaving Sunday service off and maintaining service as it is.
4: Okay. Yeah. I think I agree with Frankie. You make a, a good point about, um, a lot of things being closed in Lawrence on Sundays, which did not cross my mind. And what I was thinking about was, access to church and faith services and things. But I think that a lot of churches offer ride programs, like um, like I know the Unitarian Church is kind of outside of town a little bit or on the edge of town. And it's hard for folks to get there if they don't have a car, but the members of the church have a kind of like a volunteer program where they will offer rides to people who want to attend um, and don't have access to a ride. So, so that's kind of, kind of takes care of that, I guess. Not true across the board, but. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I think one of my concerns is that for people, um, particularly who use power wheelchairs, there's no way you can just get a ride from a friend. So, and, and, you know, for, for a lot of people, um, faith communities are an important source of support. older people, um, people with disabilities who are isolated. So it's a really hard one. I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm wondering if maybe having one night where where later service wasn't available in some level of service on a Sunday morning. Um, I don't know. Hmm,
1: that's yeah, the, the
3: bus that um, the bus that serves, gosh, what is it? I, the, there's a bus that serves in particular people who are disabled and maybe that bus. Yes, she thank you. Yeah, yeah, maybe that bus in particular could have a Sunday morning route for for faith services. Or, yeah, something like I like. I do like the idea, if it were possible to, um, do like a route for services. But I think it that that's really pro- the main it, population.
2: It would probably be on demand. I would mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So have something available, but I, I understand the the um, balance of affordability and having to cut one time to serve another. So
1: Okay. Yeah, great thoughts. All right. The next trade-off question is asking about more frequent bus stops versus faster travel times. So bus stops are currently placed approximately every two blocks along each route, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, but on average, the more bus stops there are along a route, the more likely it is for a person to have a bus stop that's within close walking distance of their final destination. Um, on the other hand, if bus stops are placed further apart, then a bus can travel faster along its route with fewer stops. So um, if you had to choose, would you prioritize more bus stops along a route for shorter walk distances or fewer bus stops along a route for faster travel times?
2: I want it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, these are tough, tough yeah, choices. They are.
2: they are. I'm wondering if um, if one or the other will discourage ridership, and I'm wondering if in a community that um, has a lot of senior citizens as well as students, um, but is labeled a retirement community, if spreading out the stops would make people less likely to use the um, fixed route. I don't know. Yeah,
3: Yeah. I I think that it, you know, which one of these is better may depend on the route and Mm -hmm. who it's serving. So like in the case of students, it may be more important to them to get to a class quickly and they allot a certain amount of time to walk you know, a quarter mile to a bus stop, whereas for um, the senior citizen population, it's much more important to be able to get to a stop quickly, get comfortable and be on the bus rather than be somewhere quickly. So I feel like both of these things could be implemented differently depending on the route.
1: Yeah, that's, those are really great thoughts. And you're absolutely right. There's not a single um, right answer to any of these. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know, with that with that in mind, though, if you have, if you know of anyone else who may not have yet taken the survey that's online, please encourage them to do to do so because we are trying to see, since these are such difficult choices with no right answer, we are trying to see which way the community sort of comes down um, in, you know, the, the, the majority of, of respondents uh, one way or the other to give us a sense of priorities, so okay so the next question is kind of similar but um, with some differences so it's more service coverage versus more service frequency so the way that service operates today buses operate on major arterial streets such as iowa and 6th street but then in many cases also operate along smaller neighborhood streets so serving those smaller neighborhood streets does um, bring buses closer to a lot of people more accessibility Um, but keeping buses on major, on the major streets could allow for more frequent service on those major streets because you aren't stretching your resources quite as thin. So if you had to choose, would you prefer buses running more frequently, but on fewer streets or buses running on more streets, but with less frequent service on any given street? Another tough one.
2: I think since people are used to convenience, maybe running on more streets might be the way to go as people, as we encourage people to use the transit system more.
1: OK, all right. Any other thoughts? All right, we'll move on to the next one. Um, the next one is asking about improving existing service or serving new areas so the transit service currently does serve most key corridors um, and destinations in lawrence but there are some gaps so one a couple of examples um north and west of i of 6th and iowa street there's little or no service and then west of wakarusa drive where there's new development there's still not a, a lot of service so to if you had to choose would you first improve service the service schedules and and or reliability in existing um, coverage areas or expand service to new areas which would you prefer
3: hmm. well I think it's silly to keep saying these are tough questions they're all tough questions that's why you're having focus groups <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but uh, so i live in north lawrence and i've lived in north lawrence um two different times um and i would say that the majority of the population in north lawrence would be minority marginalized or lower socioeconomic status so as far as hitting goals on the city's strategic plan and you know better serving minority communities um it would be important to expand service in North Lawrence in particular. But now as far as service west of Wakarusa drive, I would posit that most of the families who are living west of Wakarusa drive have a vehicle. Um, if you were to look at now I could be wrong that this is just, you know, from what I've seen, you know, um, but I would say like, look at the socioeconomic information for people west of Wakarusa and look at the socioeconomic information for people who are living on the North side and you know people west of wakarusa are more likely to be able to afford a vehicle um so between the two i lean toward north lawrence um but there's always of course something to be said by making the service that we have now as best as it can be so
1: <laughs> yeah you 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 put that like almost perfectly uh, all of everything you said is exactly the considerations that that we have um there that's why we look at transit need, which is a little bit different than transit potential because obviously there are some areas that have that higher transit need, but don't have great potential because of something like lack of sidewalks or, or, you know, land use issues. And then on the other hand, you have areas that have high potential, but fairly Mm -hmm. limited need because like you said, there's high vehicle ownership, even though like they may actually have really good pedestrian environment. So it's, it's a, It's a challenge, Um, yeah, so there's a lot of considerations.
3: Yeah, this is a great point. I mean, North Lawrence in general is missing a lot of that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the only way to fix it is to fix it slowly and notice it. So, oh my goodness, yeah.
1: Yeah. And of course, there's places where, you know, maybe the adult population has cars, but maybe there are kids in the home um, that still need to get to school or need to get to work or need to do whatever. And they are potential riders uh, if given, you know, an option to, to, to become riders. So lots of different considerations. All right, let's move on to the next one. I,
2: I, I had a question. Oh, sorry. I, I would I, lean toward mm. Lawrence, toward the North Lawrence because mm. that's been an established part of Lawrence for a long time, spreading out to the outer reaches. Um, I just see that as less of a priority than an established part of town. Just my, I don't live in North Lawrence. Okay, either,
1: yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Of course, I might also just um, highlight, Sally put a couple chats in the comments that that um, are are kind of answered by your discussion around transit potential and transit need. But uh, one of the questions was, is there any way to find out if people living in new areas would need to use transit? Um, Yeah. So I don't know if you want to address, address that. I'll I'll give you the second part of this too, to think about Um, uh, just the the, uh, notice that there's a lot of new apartment complexes west of Wakarusa and maybe difficult to tell how many people are moving there with or without a vehicle and who, who maybe has kids in the
1: school system? And that sort of thing. Sure. So the the first part about pre- predictions, um, you know, we, we can't know with 100% certainty who will and will not get on the bus, but we can use our experience from other communities and even, you know, past experience in Lawrence to understand that, yes, there are certain demographics that we look for to help us predict where transit ridership may materialize. There are also certain land uses that help us understand, you know, if you see a large retail center, um, a a big box, you know, Target or Walmart or, or whatever, you would expect to see more ridership, um, out of, you know, that kind of environment than something like a, um, I don't know, like a, a community park. Like, yes, parks are, are important for sure. But when we prioritize, um, you know, serving one area or another, there are certain land uses that help us predict, you know, we're going to see, we're definitely going to see strong ridership there versus not not somewhere else. So, um so yeah, we do our best to predict these things, um, and then the other part of uh, apartment complexes uh, popping up on Lakusa. So that that is exactly one of the land uses that we look for. So multifamily housing is is definitely uh, like a red flag where we know yes, we're probably going to see ridership there, um, and not only do we see ridership there. Multifamily housing spells density. So it has like the characteristics that you would like to see to ensure the transit will be a success. Um, medical facilities are another place we look for. Educational facilities are another place that, that we look for, um, large employers. So there, you know, there's a, a whole series of, of land use uh, clues and demographic clues that we look for. Does that answer the questions? Okay. So the next question in the list of trade-offs is asking about this, um, you know, the question about fares and whether they should be eliminated. So transit service in Lawrence and most communities is supported by a number of different funding sources. Uh, That includes federal funding, state funding, and then onboard fare payments. So um, a reduction in any of those uh, funding sources would impact the ability of the transit provider to maintain you know, current levels of service. So uh, Lawrence Transit has been exploring the possibility of eliminating the current $1 regular fare for all riders. So the question that we're asking is if you had to choose, would you choose to maintain existing fares, the $1 per ride for most passengers, or to eliminate fares, which could result in service reductions on some routes? So any thoughts on that one? Frankie.
3: Yeah, sorry if I talk so much. Um, so, um, you know, my thought is that re- taking away fares all o- across the board would provide more positive outcome than um, the reduction in, in services. However, you know, if I looked at the reduction in services that it would result in, maybe I would think differently um, and maybe... the bus could be like a museum and ask for a suggested donation from folks who can. I don't know if people would respond to that. I think some people would and some people definitely wouldn't. Um, But I know that for a lot of people, you know, coming up with a dollar, especially a physical dollar, um, which is a Mm -hmm. whole other problem, um, because I have a dollar, but I do not have a physical dollar (laughs) um, almost ever. So I do think that it would be a huge, huge benefit to folks who use the bus probably most frequently
1: mm-hmm. yeah okay
4: I can say Any that a request that we get here at the library really frequently is for the um, vouchers that we have for free rides a single free ride um, we get folks asking for those that we keep on hand all day every day so I I tend to lean towards um, eliminating fares Okay. Especially because the homeless shelter is pretty far away. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. All good thoughts. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Right. I have one
3: more. I have one. Sorry. Yeah. Just in line with what Aaron is saying, perhaps some routes could be completely free and some routes would cost money. Like routes to essential services could be free and then routes that go like, I don't know this would be difficult to determine. So maybe it's not a possibility, but it's an idea. You know, if if there's a route that, you know, I'm sure that there's the one route that goes out to the homeless shelter. So that should just always be free, even if you decide to not eliminate uh, fares across the board.
0: Okay. The only thing I would say from a staff perspective is if you look at our, um, like environmental justice zone maps, there's quite a bit of areas in town that have equity needs. And I'd be concerned about us um geographically kind of focusing that type of benefit in one area i think i think the 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 needs are in a lot of different places in town
3: yeah i i definitely agree that it would be difficult to make that determination so um but i'm all for no fares (laughs) (laughs) i i i'm all for no fares i think it's
2: hard to choose either when we don't know how big the reductions would
1: be um, yeah, that's true.
2: So that's hard. But I, I, I would tend to think that no fair would um, be the way to go.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very theoretical at this point, but we'll have more yeah. details as we move along. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit here and um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and Rebecca Martin is going to share hers. And we have, <clears throat> we have a series of Um, additional questions, but these are more open-ended. They're not, they're not trade-offs. Um, so we, okay, let's see, Rebecca is going to share and we're going to record. We're going to kind of, um, take notes on these virtual note, notepads here or stick it posted note, virtual post notes. Um, so we'll start with the first question, which is pretty broad. Uh, what are Lawrence transit and or KU on wheels doing well? What do you think the value is to the community of of these systems?
2: This is this is kind of um, broad, but I think seeing a transit system in a community indicates that it's progressive. So just the presence of a good transit system, I think, elevates the community.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I would, gener- I would agree with Dot. And so I came from a, so I grew up in Overland Park and <laughs> Lawrence had a transit system before Overland Park had a transit system in the way that it does. And Overland Park still has a terrible transit system that is mostly useless. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't say the same thing for Kansas City. Kansas City has made some great strides in that mm-hmm. regard. But in general, having a transit system in Lawrence is great and I, you know, coming, I didn't know what to expect besides, you know, buses on campus. Um, But, you know, other communities of a similar size, I'm curious if they have a transit system that is as good as ours is because it's imperfect, but our transit system does a really good job of getting most people, most places for not a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good thoughts. Any, any um, as other? I, 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 uh-huh.
2: As I anticipate aging in this community, I feel that I, if and when I need to stop driving, which is probably the case, I feel that I will be able to get around. And that is very comforting.
1: Okay. Uh, so the next question is how could Lawrence Transit? or KU on wheels to serve the community better? Any thoughts on, um, you know, maybe something you've been thinking about when, I don't know, using the service um, in the past or thinking about using the service, but something kept you from using it. Is there anything that you thought, oh, if they only did this, it would really be much more helpful?
4: I really think um, the biggest thing just realized my mic was pushed away from my face. (laughs) I'm sorry if you couldn't hear me. Um, I really think that expanding hours um, into the evening would make a huge difference for folks. I remember being in grad school at KU and my last class ended at 6 PM and the last bus on my bus route picked up from campus at 5 52 or something. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think, yeah, having more evening hours would be beneficial to all, all different types of folks.
1: Yep. Great. Any other thoughts on on Um, what could improve?
2: I took the fixed route on campus a while back and, um, Getting tied down in a wheelchair seemed to throw them off schedule, and it took me two hours to get back to my office, so I never took it again. Mm-hmm. So at some point, it might be nice to look at. Um, I know we're certainly encouraged to use the fit, fixed route versus the paratransit tool. will leave that for people who really need it, but I don't know what, what it would be like to use the fixed transit in a wheelchair, so I don't know if that's been smoothed out or
1: just a thought mm. and it took you two, two hours that that was um not well they didn't, they didn't have an what accessible. you were expecting
2: well i yeah i i finished uh-huh. my meeting and i went to catch the bus on the schedule and they said oh it doesn't stop there you have to go to a place that was not accessible. it just was a mess mm. i'm expecting that that smoothed out I over see. the years but there has been an issue of it makes the drivers off schedule if they have to tie a person in a wheelchair down so i think kind of looking at mm. that okay and encouraging people to use the fixed transit when they can would ease the burden on the
3: paratransit. Does that makes sense.
1: Got it. Yep, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree
3: okay, with what is yeah, yeah, I agree with what Aaron and Dot have said. And um yeah, and I, I realize that, you know, you're working within a fixed budget. Um, but this is something that I always think about as somebody who used to use transit to get from one side of town to another side of town. I, it would be amazing if we could look at express routes one day um, because like I used to live like, you know, at 15th and Crestline um, and I would go from 15th and Crestline to 31st and Iowa and that took two hours, which I knew it would because I Mm
4: -hmm.
3: was a big planner and I, like I said, I use the bus system a lot. So I knew it very well, Um, but it's not workable to have a two hour commute for a distance of 3 to 6 miles um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: that is not ideal
1: <laughs> so when you talk about express routes do you, do you mean um, ensuring that you can get across across town without needing to transfer or do you do you mean just the speed of the service maybe like limited stops not not hitting every stop like was both. it a connection that really that really did did it in or both, both. okay
3: both, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I had to make a connection between whatever bus you know stops at Meadowbrook and whatever I, I don't remember. I did have to make a connection, um, mm-hmm. and but I also there's just a lot of stops, of course, because there's lots of stops mm-hmm. between there and there, mm-hmm. and of course you know an express line would mean here is the place where you can pick up the express line, and here's the place it stops, and this is the only these are the only two places. But I do think mm-hmm. that for folks who have to go across town. Um, that could be useful. Now you have the data on ridership that I don't have, but um, anyway, that's an idea. But I do, I, in general, extending to night services is a big one as well, like Aaron said.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca, there there have been some comments coming in uh, from Sally about um, shift times and people who, I guess, have work, you know, work late um, and can't get home because of late shift times. Um, Let's see. Yeah. So that's so that that's a topic. Okay. Um. So let's move to the next one. So, do you guys think that passengers have the tools they need to understand and use Lawrence Transit or Ku On Wheels? So, some of those tools may include trip planning uh, tools, stop level information, maps, schedules, things like that. Do they have what they need to figure out how to navigate the system? In your experience, know. did you feel well, sorry, go ahead. Doctor. I don't
2: know. I don't know enough about it. I I um I didn't feel I was prepared, but that was a one-time thing, so I don't want to base it on that. I'm just wondering like for I think the transit system does do some travel training. Safe for people with intellectual disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I remembered that, which I think is important.
0: Yeah, for the group, we do offer travel training, and um, there's really not uh, any eligibility concerns about that. We'll do it for anyone who asks us. Okay. Um, but there's certainly some work to do, I think, proactively making that known. I think we, uh, when mm-hmm. people request, are able to accommodate it, but I'm not sure it's as well-known that people can reach
3: out to us for that type of service. Uh, Adam, I have a comment kind of in the same vein. I, so I became a bus expert as soon as I got here, and you know, I was an 18-year-old. So I would say that we do a pretty good job, but I worked really hard to get that information um, because I knew I was going to need it. And I also utilized a service, and then I don't know if you still have it, but I did use it a lot um, as a college student, where you would text a number and it would tell you when the bus was coming. I don't know—is that still available?
0: It is so we have um, we have one app that shows you real time location of buses, and that same system allows you to text, um, and it will tell you. So that way, if you have a smartphone, you can see the app. If you don't, you yeah. can use the texting service.
3: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love we're, that service. We're working
0: towards. <laughs> having that real-time information also available in like trip planning apps. Mm -hmm. That's the gap that we still have where the current app, you kind of need to know what route you're already looking for or Mm -hmm. stop. You're already looking for, uh, there's, I think there's some work to do to get it into apps that also help you plan your trip and you can see the real-time information.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I say that in general, I use that service a ton, but nobody knew about it. Like, I'd be the one person in the group who'd be like, oh, I can text and see when the safe bus is going to get here. And they're like, wait, what? You can do that? And I'm like, yeah, just text this number. And so I think, you know, and and it sounds simple when you're like, oh, we just need to get the word out. But how you get the word out is surprisingly Mm -hmm. difficult sometimes, but um, people knowing about the resources that you do have to learn the bus system I think is essential because you have good ones, um, but I don't think everybody knows.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good insight. Okay, um, let's move to the next one. So, DeLawrence Lawrence Transit and KU on Wheels provide an in- inviting passenger environment? Uh, th- that could mean at the stop level, that could mean on on board buses or interaction with their staff? Do you guys feel like it's an inviting environment? Generally, yes. Okay.
2: I, I can't say because I haven't been using it, although I would like to. I know when I've taken the paratransit, they've been wonderful. So that's not frequent, but it, I have been really impressed.
1: All right. Um, moving along, then we can come if anyone has just a great you know thought on any of these, we can always go back. But the next question is: um, What is the top change that Lawrence Transit or KU on Wheels could make to encourage transit use? Think about people that you may know who don't use transit, and and you know, is there anything you think we could change to comp- you know to to get them to consider transit um, a viable option? Uh, or maybe someone who does use but infrequently what could get them to ride more more often what are the barriers today what are the barriers to increasing ridership do you think
2: i think the time and i think the time involved um, to get to the stop get ride the bus and get you know i was thinking of going to work I can't take it to work because I'd have to go up a big hill, but um, once I'm, to go other places, I, I need to start really thinking seriously about that. Like to go to the farmer's market on a Saturday.
1: Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Well, if not, we can come back to it later. Uh, well, let's see, there's a comment from in the chat, the schedules and, and length of time of travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to the kind of the theme, I guess, of uh, a little bit faster travel times, um, maybe later hours, potentially, okay. Um, so then the, the last question we have is, are there other communities that you think get transit right and could serve as a model for Lawrence? So anything you've seen in your travels, or if you lived anywhere else, that you that you thought was really really a cool idea that maybe we could learn from?
2: I'm
3: not informed enough. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't typically use transit in cities of our size when I'm not here. So I've utilized transit, you know, um, in Kansas city and in New York city and Chicago um, and in Seattle, but I haven't used transit in a small city or micro city or whatever you want to call us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that we have, you know, a unique situation and unique ridership as far as, you know, the size of community we are, the size of our main city, and the fact that we also have rural community members that surround that main part of our city. So we, I don't know, I feel like we're unique, and I don't know if that's useful to you. <laughs> huh?
1: No, it's true. It's it's really, it's cool that you kind of notice the distinction because sometimes we have these calls, uh, these types of meetings and people are like, I really want a monorail in my community. And it's like a 50,000 person town. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
0: I guess I would challenge you though, Frankie, like we don't, uh, we obviously aren't as big as those places, but I, I guess I'd still be interested in what aspects of those systems you liked. I mean, we can always think about how we adapt the things that you like from big systems to what mm-hmm. we can afford and what we need, you know, monoreal, less likely. But um, <laughs> if there are other aspects of those systems, I think we be interested in hearing that.
3: Yeah, I guess what I really liked about what Kansas City did with its streetcar, one, the advertisement was great, the PR was great, they really marketed it, twor- marketed it towards people who wouldn't usually use transit, so young adults like ourselves who would not usually use transit, but they're like, you can use the streetcar when you're out getting drinks, and the streetcar goes between all of the most popular places to go and get drinks in Kansas City, and um, and I, for us, we have Safe Bus and Safe Ride, which operate in a very similar manner. Um, and I, but I also like that if you are where a streetcar is, you can ride for free, and you don't have to do anything. Like it's you just get on for free. And I was amazed that you could. I really was expecting it to cost money. Um, and yeah, really, the way that they designed the route was super intuitive. Um, places that people would obviously want to get on.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, I grew up in an urban area and I'm old enough to remember when people chose where they lived based on how close it was to a bus route. And I think, um, do we, do do apartment complexes in Lawrence advertise that they're near transit stops? I
4: think we see some of that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The other thing is, I think, I think we got to figure out a way to make it cool to take the bus, like a challenge.
4: That's a smart like ret- they do. A lot of apartment complexes on KU routes do advertise that they're on bus routes. And that is a thing that many students are choosing, as locations to live based on access to the bus routes.
2: Oh, that's, that's good to hear.
3: Yeah, I chose my where I lived based on access to a bus route and I rode the same bus route. I I lived in Meadowbrook and then I lived in a townhouse behind Meadowbrook and so I rode the same bus route my whole college career. Um so yeah, I definitely did consider
1: it. So uh Sally pointed out that uh there are some complexes that actually have their own uh shuttles, their own transit service, which is true. Um so they, not only do some of them advertise that they are on a transit line, some of them are the transit line or they off, offer their own service. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so that actually gets us to the end of our formal discussion. So if anyone has any thoughts, uh, that anything we didn't cover that you would like to cover, any qu- questions or comments, please feel free to, to speak up um otherwise we we really thank you for for your time and for all the great input and encourage everyone to take the survey if you haven't already taken it and to spread the word on it through your social networks and anywhere any other way you can think of because we do want to have the the greatest response possible so
4: we'll
2: do that i'll put it on my facebook page if i think i took it but i can't remember if i go to take it will it recognize that i already took it
1: um that sounds
2: kind of dumb but I'm, it seems like it was a few weeks ago
1: yeah i'm trying to remember how we set it because there's a setting that i think we said it that you could actually take it again because we were afraid that somebody might go to the public library and try to take it and then if somebody else tries to take it from the same computer they wouldn't be able to so oh, i think okay. we set it we set it in a way that allows multiple entries from the same computer
2: i'll um, open it so, and if it seems familiar I'll, i won't take it then but I'll, I'll pass it around to some other folks too
1: sounds great if, not, if we see a
0: couple of sets of answers that are the same, we'll, yeah, okay. we'll know it's got your fingerprints on it. So go ahead. I'll be discovered.
2: Yeah, yeah I'll be outed. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all again. Thanks very much. And um, we look forward to meeting again in a couple of months we'll, when we have some service scenarios developed that we um, will run by you and, and get your, your input on. So Thank you all.
2: Thank you. This was helpful.
1: Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. bye